It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 2nd, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. We're here for... Our first, I guess this is technically the first episode of 2018 since I recorded yesterday's episode on December 31st. I'm going to recap Monday's game against the Brooklyn Nets, talk all about that, and as well, talk a little bit more about the Magic struggles late in games. Magic haven't played very many close games this year, but over the last two games have seen themselves struggle late in games. But before we get to that, I do want to say a quick word about the Locked On Podcast Network. As you may know, there are there are a ton of great Locked On podcasts just like Locked On Magic. Uh, you get your daily fix of every NBA team. Every NBA team is covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. I also want to highly suggest checking out Locked On Jaguars. Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton cover the, cover the Jacksonville Jaguars with a daily podcast just like this one. And as you all know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are headed to the NFL playoffs for the first time, I think it's, what, 10 years? Get set for the big game between the Jaguars and the Bills on Sunday with Locked On Jaguars all week. Be sure to check them out there. They do a great job covering the team. And of course, before we get into the Magic's game with the Brooklyn Nets, I would be remiss if I did not offer my congratulations uh, and and and. You know, while I'm not an alum, certainly a lot of pride in saying congratulations to the UCF Knights for their big victory over the Auburn Tigers in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, As some of you may know, I am a big Orlando sports booster. Uh, I think that what's good for one team is good for all the teams in the Orlando area. And so seeing UCF on the national stage in probably the biggest game in program history come out and play a superb game on really both ends of the field. This was not an A-plus game from UCF. They had a lot of problems, a lot of mistakes. They could have won by more than they did. But they came through and won a very good game, a very good game, proved that they belong on the big stage, and so a hearty congratulations to Scott Frost and his staff who are now leaving for Nebraska, so I'll be seeing you next year in the Big Ten, Scott Frost. Uh, But a congratulations most of all to the UCF Knights football players for this incredible accomplishment. Expecting big things from you guys next year. Hopefully a repeat of the American... You know, you don't have to go undefeated again, but a repeat of the American Conference Championship would certainly be very, very nice. And a continuing of this fantastic momentum for this football program in Central Florida. So congratulations to the UCF Knights. Unfortunately, we can't say such nice things about the Orlando Magic. And that's because Monday's game, Monday's first game of the 2018 calendar year was a really, really messy one. Uh, the Magic fall to the Brooklyn Nets 98-95. to No sense not spoiling it there. Uh, as Orlando 
just continues to just just kind of muddy their way through the season. It, it seems like every again, it, it, I think I've I think I've said this a, a, a few times already, but every time it feels like Orlando's about to turn a corner or they feel like they have solid footing, something else pops up. It's a, it's like a little bit of whack a mole, and you know maybe that's part and product of being a bad team. Uh, as as I've told people who are all in on the tank and probably celebrating a loss exactly like this one. Um, bad teams will lose. They're bad. And the Magic, you know, we're, we're, what, three games away from the midpoint of the season now, so the Magic will reach the midpoint of the season next Tuesday in Dallas. And they've only got 12 wins. And that obviously does not bode well for the rest of the year. Certainly, is well below the expectations that we had for this team, even even our worst expectations for this team. And I think we all kind of recognize that this team has underperformed its talent, and injuries have played a role in that. But games like Monday's game also show that there is a lot of work to do. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about the end of the game uh, problems that this team has and, and what seems to be happening at the end of these games for the Orlando Magic. But... The Magic really have felt like they've found some 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 solid ground again after getting Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon back, but they have not been able to translate that into wins. And then each game has kind of followed a similar pattern. On, on Monday, it was about late-game execution once again, just like it was in Saturday's loss to the Miami Heat. Orlando had a three-point lead uh, late in the... or four-point lead, actually, with about three minutes to play. And, and at that point their whole game seemed to collapse a little bit. Brooklyn made a couple of timely threes. They were able to, to, to get into the paint and, and begin churning the Magic defense a little bit too much. Uh, Orlando really struggled to get out of their own way, I felt, in a lot of ways, committing a lot of silly fouls. Um, you know, again, being late on rotation, so they committed fouls to, to stop baskets. Uh, being unable to execute well uh, on their end. Missing a lot of shots, which was a theme throughout the game. Uh, but the Magic just could not get themselves back on level footing. And so even though they had control entering the final two minutes of the game, Brooklyn was the one that was on the front foot. It felt like Orlando was always reacting and counterpunching rather than taking the game to them. There were several really just frustrating moments in this game. After Brooklyn took a after Brooklyn took a two-point lead. On an and one play from Spencer from uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I believe it was he took or he took Bismack Biombo off the dribble. Uh, actually, it was Karis LeVert. Sorry, um, he took Bismack Biombo off the dribble on a switch, and Biombo fouled him from behind, trying to block the shot. The Magic ran into an offensive set that was just lethargic at best, and the Magic had poor execution. They couldn't get anyone open. It didn't really feel like they knew who what they were trying to do, and sometimes it didn't feel like anyone wanted the ball. But Alfred Payton, seeing the shot clock winding down, took it to the basket, got to the rim, got a foul, and the, and one to tie the game up. But from there, the Magic's offense, that was actually the final, I believe that was the final point that the Magic scored all game. It's about a minute to go in the game. Orlando just could not execute down the stretch. Jonathan Simmons missed a shot at the rim. Evan Fournier with the Magic down by two. Got the ball at the top of the key, kind of took two dribbles staring at Allen Crabb and took a, took a three-pointer in a game that he was not hitting his shots very well. Uh, and so it was, just, it was just that kind of frustrating night. Obviously, Orlando did not shoot the ball particularly well. That is kind of a place to start. Orlando just did not get the momentum that they needed to, to, to move the ball forward. And, and they could never really find consistent shots. Every time it looked like they were getting ready to pull away, t- getting ready to take 
real control of this game because Orlando really had control of this game for much of it until that fourth quarter. Orlando just couldn't string enough shots together. And so while they were pretty solid defensively all night, the, the, I think the Nets had only a 103 offensive rating, which is better than the Magic's average. It's not great, but it's better than the Magic's average. Uh, Orlando could not get uh, get stops consistently at the big moments. It seemed like every time a big moment came that would turn the game one way or another, they couldn't get they couldn't string together enough plays to, to maintain the momentum. There was a Wesley one two three that I that when it happened, I thought Magic got this game. If a one who's hitting that shot, Magic should have enough to win the game. That didn't happen. Then Alfred Payton hit a three. It felt like, okay, the Magic got this. That, that That's a confidence-building three right there. Guy you don't expect to hit a three, hitting a big shot, that should be enough to spin the team forward. And, and it, just, it just never really happened. Orlando just couldn't string together the plays. And so, while I can certainly say that the Magic are playing better today than they were last week, and this is the kind of ugly, grinded-out game where against a better opponent, perhaps, the Magic probably would have gotten blown out. But Orlando kept the fight going, and and and, and they, again they played hard, and and I, you can sense the frustration that they feel like they're putting in efforts good enough to win these games, and yet they are unable to pull them out in the end, and and, and that's obviously an incredibly frustrating feeling, I think, for a team that they're not getting the rewards for their efforts, and I agree, I don't think they're getting the reward for their effort, but that reward is also earned. It's not something that you are given; it is something that you earn, and you earn it by obviously scoring more points than the other than the opponent in winning these games. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let's run through some final stats before I talk a little bit more about the the late game stretches. Uh, Orlando's led by Aaron Gordon, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 8 for 20 shooting. Had himself going early on, uh, but like Saturday, uh, faded as the game went on. Uh, or not. That's probably not the right way to phrase it, but uh, Magic didn't go to him as much. He was definitely forcing some plays. All of Orlando was really struggling to shoot, as, as you'll see when I go through these stats. Um, and, and Gordon, I felt like, it was really forcing things, but, you know, it's getting to the point, and, and I'm sure I'll write about this, and I'm sure we'll talk about this on the pod, uh, on the podcast in, in the future. It's getting to the point, and I've, I think I've said this before, this, the whole rest of the season is about getting Aaron Gordon as much room to grow as possible. And I think we're getting to the point where the Magic need to give the ball to Aaron Gordon in these late-game situations. It, it, it can't be... Evan Fournier and Evan Fournier has earned trust late in games. I mean, he made he made a bad decision. Uh, I thought at the end of this game, but uh, but he has earned trust at the end of these games. But I think now is the time to really let Aaron Gordon blossom and really figure out exactly what he can do and exactly what his limitations are and exactly where he needs to work. Um, you know, I thought Gordon had something interesting to say after the game. He said 
that Brooklyn did a really good job face guarding him and, and sending extra defenders his way. And, and that's something that he wasn't used to. And he took it as a sign of respect and he thanked them for the respect and said, I've got to figure out how to play against these kinds of defenses. And so today was kind of a growing pains game for Aaron Gordon. But what I really like is he still found ways to be involved. He still found ways to keep the team going. And I thought he played one of his better defensive games of the year as well. Granted, it's against Brooklyn, so they don't maybe have the weapons that other teams might. But I thought Gordon had a a solid overall game. Uh, The shooting was the only problem with him on the evening. And and I, again, took 20 shots, led the team in shots. It's not an issue of of Aaron Gordon did not get enough shots. I would like to see him get a few more looks late in the game. But... Aaron Gordon's playing some very good basketball right now, and so uh, I think that is a good thing overall. Evan Fournier had 13 points, 4 for 15 shooting, missed all four of his three-pointers, including that big one. Rough night for Evan Fournier. I thought he was getting good looks and just missing them, so it was just kind of a bad night for him. Um, He should have known that, and I think his shot, his pull-up three-pointer late in the game just was not a smart shot. It was not a good shot for him. It was not a good shot for this team. Uh, and so I think that, and, and especially in that moment, I don't remember how much time was left on the shot clock. I would have liked to see the Magic run through their offense. It seemed like a quick, ill-advised shot. It's easy to point your finger at it, uh, so I am. But uh, rough game for Evan Fournier overall, one to forget. Uh, you, you know, you gotta. Yeah, I, I noted this as I was watching the game again on, on midnight Ma- on Magic at midnight or midnight Magic. I don't know what they call it. Uh, I think it's called Magic after midnight on Fox Sports Florida. Whatever, whatever they call it, whatever they brand it as. Uh, the, the difference between good players and great players, and, and the really good players, obviously, is when you don't have your best game, you still find a way to help your team win or help your team compete. And I think Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon are kind of at that notch where if they're having a great game, they help their team win. If they're not having a great game, they're not necessarily helping their team win. And so, uh, are helping their team do things they need to win. I think Aaron is closer to doing that than Evan, and that's that's no knock. That's not a. It's kind of a backhanded compliment or, or backhanded knock on on Evan, and I don't mean it that way. We all kind of know what for, what Evan's Fournier's limitations are, um, and so I think that we're kind of at this point where uh, we're at we're at kind of at this point where. Uh, you know, we, we know what Evan Fournier's limitations are, and yet the Magic still have to ask him to do more. And so, as long as they're asking him to do more, he's got to be smart with it. Uh, and, I, and I think that, um, you know, this just was not a good game for Evan Fournier. And like I said, a lot of players shot really, really poorly in the game. Alfred Payton, 17 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Solid game overall for Alfred Payton. Got hung up on a few screens. You know, the normal complaints with Alfred Payton. But overall, a solid game for him. Bismack Biombo, 13 points, 17 rebounds, 9 offensive rebounds, 3 block shots. Guy is killing it right now. Um, you know, Biombo's playing his best best string of basketball in a Magic uniform in these last four games. Really making a difference defensively, in my opinion. Um, you can definitely see the added energy. He was a big reason why the Magic hung in this game. Again, like I said, he made a, a, mis- a mistake down the stretch that cost the team a little bit. Um, but he's really dialed in defensively. He needs others to kind of step up their game around him. Really like what I've seen from Biz of late. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was one of the few people that was advocating, even though Vucevic had such a strong net rating. I was someone who was advocating for Biombo to go into the starting lineup before the, before the injuries really started hitting. And I was like, oh, now you've got to have Vucevic starting because you have no offense. Um, but I like what Biz has done since taking over the starting role. He's taken... Uh, this opportunity really, really well, and, and so another another really solid game for Bismack Biombo. I, I can't complain about what Bismack Biombo is doing. 
Jonathan Simmons, 10 points, 3 for 12 shooting. Another struggle for him from the floor. He's settling a little bit for jumpers too much. It's not his game. I don't think he really... Uh, a lot of people have made this point, and I just threw my pen. Uh, a lot of people have made this point um, in in talking about the lineups right now. Simmons doesn't fit this lineup. Um, he's probably better coming off the bench. I think we all know that. I, I would. I was against the move to move Terrence Ross to the bench when that happened. Um, but Simmons right now struggling to shoot a little bit, struggling to find his place with Evan and Aaron back in the lineup, and, and I think that's going to be uh, a huge thing moving forward. Off the bench of note, Maurice Spates had eight points. Wessel Wundu with five points. I thought a solid game from him. Someone that uh, the Magic began trusting him a little bit late in games there. Uh, and Mario Zonia with four points on two for seven shooting. Overall, though, Orlando shoots just 36.4% from the floor and six for 31 from beyond the arc. 19 for 25 from the foul line keeps him in the game, as do 19 offensive rebounds. Bottom line is, this Orlando team struggled to shoot. Their defense kept them in the game. But when it push came to shove, they were unable to make the plays down the stretch, unable to get good looks, and unable to make the shots that they did get to win the game. Brooklyn was able to do so. Brooklyn shoots just 43.9% from the floor, 9 for 25 from beyond the arc, made some big shots, 16 points from Jared Allen, 15 from Allen Crabb and Karis LeVert each, 14 from Damari Carroll, and 13 from Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Just a really, really ugly game, an uncharacteristic game for both teams Yet, Brooklyn comes out on top, and I think we can point directly to the late game play as the reason why. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I I like to say, and I, I, like, to, I like to tell people who like to talk a little bit too much about clutch play as if it's some separate entity, that good teams don't win close games. Good teams avoid close games. Because essentially, a close game is a 50-50 shot. You know, when I, I look back at Saturday's game, you know, against the Miami Heat, the Magic were down by three. They executed a perfect play to get the game-tying shot for Aaron Gordon. He popped open right at the top of the key. The Magic even ran the same play in Monday's game against Brooklyn. And Gordon got the ball. I feel comfortable with Aaron Gordon taking just about any three-pointer. And this was a wide-open three-pointer. And he missed the shot. That's not anything the Magic could really do about that. I mean, Stan Van Gundy used to always say this is a make-or-miss league. I worry about getting good shots rather than making shots. Because a coach's job is to get good shots. Right? But 
obviously, when you're in a situation like the Magic, you know, close games can be the difference between a really good season and a really bad season. Of course, this year, the Magic have had to just get into close games to begin with. Now, the way NBA.com defines a close game or a clutch situation is any game that is within five points in the final five minutes. This season, Orlando has played just 16 close games. 16. I think they're at game 38 right now. The Magic have played 38 games, and they've only played 16 close games. In those 16 games, the Magic are 6-10. in 10. Not a terrible record in close games. Like I said, close games are 50-50 shots. So there is a, you know, if the Magic played more close games, odds are they would tend to move toward 500. That's what the statistics say. But when you watch this team play, and you watch them on Saturday as well as on Monday, you saw something that they're never going to capture in a statistic. Well, I actually can capture in a statistic, and I'll, I'll share that in a moment. But you catch a team that looks tight, that doesn't seem like they have the confidence to go out and win the game. Like I said, Brooklyn looked like they were the, the aggressors in this game. Saturday night, Miami was certainly the aggressor. Down by a lot, head, heading into those final few minutes. Miami was the one that put the pedal down and took the game from the Magic. Whereas Orlando, yeah, they were able to score with Miami a little bit. They weren't able to get the stops they needed, and eventually they weren't able to get the shots they needed. Orlando seemed like they were playing a little bit tight and a little bit afraid. Because when you watch the Magic offense in both these two games, these two close games that the Magic have played in the last two outings, I saw a team that was tight. I saw a team that wasn't running through their stuff efficiently. That felt like I have to take this game over. And I'm a big, you know, I'm a big proponent of the 48-minute theory or whatever it's whatever you want to call it. I, I don't think there's anything special about these final minutes. And I think that the fact that we put, you know, a, a you know a, a something special on these is, is an artifice of sorts. If I were a coach, if I were running a team, I wouldn't change the way I run things at all. I would impress on my players to say, run your offense normally. The pressure is ramped up. Time deadlines put pressure on people. But I wouldn't go straight into ISOs. I get I get annoyed in NBA 2K when they have me run ISOs late in the game because I don't want that. I want to run my offense. I want to get the good shots that I was getting earlier in the game to put me in this position. And trying to force things gets you in trouble. But you still have to execute. And it's abundantly clear that the Magic are just a little tight in these situations. That the Magic are struggling to find that balance and find that level. And that, for good or bad reasons someone always has to try and take over. And the Magic just don't have that player who can do it. Again, the number numbers do bear this out. According to NBA.com's uh, stat, stat database, the Magic are the third worst team in clutch situations by net rating. 
In these clutch situations, the Magic give up 16 points per 100 possessions more than they score. Their net rating is minus 16 points per 100 possessions. To me, that signifies a team that doesn't know how to close, that looks at that time deadline and prays for it to be over, a team that doesn't know how to get these wins. And if you recall, in some of the Magic's other close games this year, it was always a little shaky. The win over Brooklyn earlier in the year, yeah, it was a little shaky. The win over Memphis was extremely shaky. Magic nearly yucked that game away. And there are just time and time again, over the last several years, where the team has been unable to close things out effectively late in games. Now, it's okay to lose close games. Don't get me wrong. It's a 50-50 shot. But you want to put yourself in a position to succeed. And so seeing a team that is unable to get stops consistently, the Magic have something like a 120 defensive rating. 122 defensive rating, I believe, in these close game situations. So so to see the defense collapse like that is painful. The team doesn't step up in these opportunities. They can score, although, again, they sometimes look a little tight trying to score in these situations. But they do not have, whatever you want to call it, the will the, the ability to take their game up another level under these pressure situations. They don't have that in them right now. Or it's something that they have yet to learn. Perhaps repeating a, fra- a, a refrain that or a theme that has been present with this team for several years after the game, Aaron Gordon said, we need to mature. We need to get, get better in these situations, and we need to do it quick. It's been something Magic have been Magic fans have been asking for for some time. And again, I'm not one to get too intense into these close game situations because I feel a minute in the third quarter is just as important as a minute in the fourth is just as important as a minute in the first. There are 48 minutes to a game. You often win or lose games earlier. But... Undoubtedly, yes, these moments matter. These moments reveal your true metal, reveal what you look like under the pressure, under the time pressure. And right now, the Magic are failing, and they, they failed this test for several years. They don't look confident in these situations. And maybe that's a product of years of losing and years of failing in these situations. But if Orlando wants to begin turning things around in whatever measure they can this year, when they get these opportunities to win, they need to take them. And they need to make sure that they have no regrets about how they've played in these situations. I can look at Monday's game against Brooklyn and say for sure there are reasons to regret the way that they played. They could have done better. They made mental errors. They looked a step slow. They looked like it was a here-we-go-again moment, the dreaded here-we-go-again moment with this team. And that part is really unacceptable. Maybe unacceptable is too harsh of a word to say with that, but 
if this team is still serious about winning games. That's the part that has to change right now. The Magic will be in a close game again. They'll probably win a few. But now is the time for growth. Saturday was a lesson. That, you know, how to close a game. How to wa- you watch the team close a game. And in complete fortunate bounce, the Magic got to try that lesson out Monday. And they did not pass. So now they've learned another lesson, hopefully. It's better to learn lessons while winning rather than while losing. And so the losses continue to pile up. So Magic sit at 12 and 26 and are looking again at a very high lottery pick and more people calling on them to forego these, these lessons and learning these lessons that will help them down the road. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Brooklyn Nets 98-95 at the Barclays Center. The Magic's next game is Wednesday against the Houston Rockets. We'll have a complete preview of that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. So be sure to tune in for that. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. So for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.